and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus said of me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Welcome to this edition of The Soul Trap. We trust that wherever, whenever this broadcast finds you, it finds you in good health, good spirits. And as we so often say on that good and narrow way, we are excited to be joined uh, in the studio here today with Matt Crane from Final Fight Bible Radio. We're going to be talking to him in just a moment. But I wanted to take just a minute and remind you to make sure to check out The Soul Trap on YouTube, Rumble. Uh, we want you to like and share us and get the word out as much as you possibly can. Reach out to us, contact us, email us. We'd love to hear from all of you. And it has been an exciting journey that we have been on uh, together. And I say that uh, certainly from my heart. It has been together. And we appreciate all the feedback that we get. Almost all the feedback. But we're glad you're here today. And we, it's been too long since we have talked with Matt. But we're excited to see what the Lord is doing with Final Fight. And Matt, we just wanted to say thank you so very much for being with us. And we're excited to have you. Welcome back to the Soul Trap. And uh, what a cool thing it is to have Final Fight back with us again. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I love the Soul Trap. It's, yeah. it's a great program. I listen all the time. I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of this. Well, we appreciate it. So uh, since we've last talked, um, we've had you know quite a few new listeners and, and maybe even some that weren't familiar from the beginning. So tell us what Final Fight Bible Radio is. Tell us real briefly, as, as briefly as you can, what it is, how it started, and what the goal is. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, back in 2014, myself and a couple other guys had an idea of trying to get uh, essentially what our slogan is today, as much truth as possible to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible. We we're looking at uh, how we might be able to do something like that. And internet radio was, you know, at the time, sort of a new, newer concept. And we decided we were going to try to go down that path, see what the Lord would do. And over a, you know, a number of things that happened and the Lord confirming different things, we were able to get the radio station up and off the ground. And so Final Fight Bible Radio is an online-based internet Christian radio station, conservative Christian radio station. It's different from your average conservative Christian radio station in the sense that we broadcast and we, we broadcast a lot of things that most Christian radio stations wouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, we put out truth and material that most Honestly, most Christian radio stations wouldn't want to touch. I mean, for example, we play the Soul Trap every yes. Friday on yes. Final Five Bible Radio. <laughs> you know, yes. the average Christian radio station wouldn't want to touch that with a ten-foot pole, but we love it. And uh, so, we put out truth. Our 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 approach to the radio ministry is not so much apologetics as much as it is a polemic approach. Mm -hmm. It's more of an aggressive type mm -hmm. thing. We're going to put the truth out, and uh, we're going to try to put out the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Yeah. And the ministry of Final Fight Bible Radio, like I said, it's been operating since 2014. And by the grace of God, we've been able to help foreign missions uh, and missionaries to be able to broadcast in their languages as well. And so at this point, we have nine uh, foreign radio stations that we also broadcast. And, you know, like I said, we're just trying to do what we can to get as much truth as possible to as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And throughout that, we emphasize the gospel. We emphasize the scriptures and we emphasize foreign missions 
and throughout the day, 24-7, you'll hear Bible-believing preaching and teaching and good, clean, conservative Christian music. Mm -hmm. You know, who would have thought when you first started, obviously, you know, the internet and the internet radio uh, had tremendous potential, but who would have thought how important a role it would have played prior to 2020? Uh, somebody just sent me a video, one of our listeners just sent me a video here recently of uh, right now over in China. Uh, there was a video of a building that was locked down and people were locked from the outside in. And, you know, they were screaming and wanting to get out. And, and it's like we knew that the doors in many areas for the gospel was shut, but it has been shut even more. Um, in 2020, we had a missionary over in Spain that was locked up for months and months and months, not able to come out. So it is an exciting time in the sense that we're able to use this technology for the, for the gospel. On the other hand, I think in some ways we had the battle where people were using it as an excuse for not taking a stand rather than keeping the churches open and doing what they should have done. So there, there's been a fine line, but I have to say both to all our listeners and as a uh, uh, commendation that, that Brother Crane has done a great job of being true to the original uh, vision of Final Fight, of getting the gospel out. And I love that little thought that you had. Uh, and I'm going to rephrase it just a little bit, but a, but declaration rather than apologetics. And, and certainly there's room in the body of Christ for apologetics, and not just room, but it's necessary. But it sure does seem like we have overindulged in explaining ourselves and not taken enough time to express ourselves. Will you talk a little bit about that part of the mission of Final Fight? It's not like hey, we want to justify, it's more like, here's the truth. It's almost going back old school, early church fathers. We're not going to explain it. This is what it is. It's the truth. And I think maybe that has a lot more power even today. Can you dive into that just a little bit for us? Well, absolutely. Um, truth is always far more powerful than lies. And I think a lot of times Christians... Um, you know, obviously Christianity centers around love and about and around compassion, but I think sometimes it's easy to have that go too far into tolerance and maybe just a complete standoffishness to the point where you don't want to say anything that might be considered politically incorrect or somebody something that might hurt somebody's feelings. And as we know, um, you can tell someone their biological gender and hurt their feelings these days. But that doesn't mean that you just don't talk about it anymore. So um, I think Christianity has kind of been backpedaling, you know, in an attempt to be more palatable to the unsaved world. And, you know, there's there's place for some of that in the sense that you don't want to just, you know, be a bull in a china shop. I understand that. Yeah. But uh, I feel like most Christian radio is that way. And I don't say that necessarily to you know, put down all other Christian radio stations. I'm not saying that we're the only one and everybody else is doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying that we're approaching this from a different angle. And as anybody knows, you know, defense is obviously an important part of the game, but you can't play defense the whole game and expect mm -hmm. to win. You're going to have to go on the offense sooner or later. And so mm -hmm. we're trying to do that with Final Fight Bible Radio. And, uh, you know, we have a huge spectrum of preachers on the station. We have a lot of different guys from different circles. Uh, the doctrine that's presented is is sound Bible-believing doctrine. We don't correct the Bible with the Greek or the Hebrew. We believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God. And so uh, with that, with the variety of the people that you have on the station, you're going to get a lot of different opinions. It's not mm -hmm. a cookie-cutter radio station. 
Right. And I didn't want that from the beginning. We've got guys on there that believe in, for example, we got guys that teach and I, and I let all these guys speak, but we have guys on there that teach heliocentricity. Mm -hmm. We have guys on there that teach geocentricity. We have guys on there that teach the flat earth mm -hmm. and that doesn't bother me, you know, right. because these are a bunch of different ideas and may the best idea win. Right. And right. Uh, so we present a lot of different opinions and I believe that the audience is smart enough to be able to discern for themselves you know, truth from error. We don't try to just uh, filter every single thing that people are going to hear, like, you know, CNN does or like some of these news networks. You know, it's an echo chamber. That's exactly. not what we're Well, and we just did a show on that subject. And so we're going to steer away from that because our email. <laughs> Our email box is blown up so we can take no more emails on that. But you know, I think that's so true. It is it is a world in which there are certain pillars of truth, you know, at Final Fight. Uh, and then it's the same, I would say, with the soul trap. There are certain things that are non-negotiables with us um, that we just simply are not going to budge on. We believe them to be true and we're not we're not going to move. However, we're open to exploration as long as it's in, within the realm of truth we never have a problem with asking the tough questions in fact we always um we always say we reserve the right to ask the question and anytime you can't do that i think there's something wrong and that's one of the things why i love about final fight is you're going to hear uh you can go and hear one guy i call him like the chain every once in a while you know like a like a chainsaw north carolina mountain preacher you can hear that and then the next episode you can hear a guy that's totally different and 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 he's coming it from an almost more of a cerebral point of view then you go to the soul trap then you go to different things so there's a real potpourri of of things there at final fight from political to scriptural from prophecy to devotional all rooted though in that eternal truth and for us the eternal truth is not um how would you say it, it's not a feeling it's a scripture it's a black and white that's the eternal truth there and so it's been really exciting you mentioned a little bit about the missions tell us a little bit about how that is developing you know what's what's on your heart right now um as far as the major missions push that you guys are, are working on yeah so we, uh, I recently last year moved from Portland, Oregon to Boise, Idaho, and I'm um, reset up here. Part of that decision, one aspect of it was we had reached a point in Portland where we couldn't expand anymore. Um, not, not just the housing environment that we had in the office and broadcasting environment, but also just the, as everybody knows, the political environment, the safety aspect, you know, it was just, it was really becoming, um, uh, we couldn't continue to operate in that area. So we've moved here and uh, we have a much better uh, position to be able to broadcast. We are in a position now where we can start uh, adding more foreign stations. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we have nine foreign stations right now in other languages. These are also, you know, Bible believing missionaries in these countries. And mm -hmm. we've produced uh, radio stations now in Greek, German, Dutch, Korean, Russian, Thai, uh, Pashto, which is an Afghanistan language, mm. uh, Spanish, and also uh, a Liberia FM tower we've we've put up. That's our only FM station. But over in Liberia, we're broadcasting, you know, Final Fight Bible Radio. And in these other countries, in these other languages, essentially these missionaries have produced their own content, you know, spoken in that language, and we're broadcasting the material on their behalf. So they have 24-7 radio stations. We'd like to put together a French station. There's some talk about trying to get a Hindi station for India, um, mm -hmm. some South Asia stuff. So there's a lot of potential there. Um, 
we're gonna go like we're gonna go put out as much truth as quickly as possible with the little disclaimer asterisk uh, as as the Lord leads. Right. <laughs> right. You don't, don't want to get ahead of the Lord uh, just because it's a good idea doesn't always mean that it's uh, God's idea. Uh-huh. So uh, we want to just follow the Lord and be patient on that. But right now we are just getting ready to. Uh, increase the bandwidth essentially of our Liberia FM station. We're increasing mm-hmm. the transmitter size. We're going up to a thousand watt transmitter. And by all indications, that should reach essentially half of the entire country of Liberia. Wow. So we'll be broadcasting, you know, the same sound doctrine that we have on Final Fight Bible Radio and uh, broadcasting the gospel and the scriptures to those people. And uh, we're excited to see yeah. what God's going to do with that. Yeah, and and not to digress off of the soul trap, but when we when we worked together with the My Christmas Radio, one of the things that we were able to do was actually take that and we had somebody come to us and say, "Listen, I have a lot of relatives in in Italy." Um, Kevin was that was that in Rome, uh, and Kevin is the the magic man behind the um, behind all the computer stuff over here for the uh, soul trap listeners. Was that in Rome, the Rome area, or I'm not sure. Yeah, just outside of Rome, we were able to target through Facebook uh, and get the My Christmas Radio app there to people. It was amazing. Never would we have been able to do that, uh, and yet we were able to get that there. And, of course, her testimony was involved. So it really is an amazing thing, and and that's one of the reasons why we just have always been uh, an admirer and a supporter and and a friend of uh, Final Fight because it's just... The potential is there, and I, I think that that's we're living at the end times. Uh, and I know everybody said that for two thousand years, but I truly believe that we are in what Apostle Paul called perilous times. We are there. So let me let me change gears with you just a little bit, and let's dive into uh, maybe some things that that are maybe a little bit more political. Uh, we're having this conversation April fourteenth. Tomorrow is tax day. You've got big government. You've got the uh, first it was make America great with Donald Trump. Now you've got uh, Joe Biden saying build America back or better or whatever his thing is. It varies from day to day. You've got the war going on over in Ukraine. It was almost like the the um, COVID just dropped off the face of the earth for a while. But now they're starting to say, well, it's starting to come back. Just give us an overall perspective of what what is your take on what's happening right now with Russia with where we are with Joe Biden, what's your feel? What's going on in the world from your perspective? Well, to be honest, uh, my perspective is a little bit different than uh, most of the perspectives that I hear. So what we're seeing right now, obviously the world is heading towards, uh, you know, a social credit score. It looks like the world is heading toward a total uh, dystopian nightmare that you know, you read about in 1984. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like the world is heading towards global totalitarian communism. And uh, in spite of the protests of uh, people around the world, you know, pushing back against this, it seems like wickedness is just, you know, continuing continuing to march on. And I believe that these people certainly have a plan and they have a time frame that they're trying to operate according to. And, uh, but as as bleak and as dire as things look uh, i'm of the opinion that uh, things are going to be a little bit different than uh, than what we expect so like for example um, a lot of times the end times we associate with just total horror and uh, awful mm-hmm. carnage which we know 
the Bible refers to in those last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, the question that a lot of Christians have been asking for a long time is, okay, well, what is the world going to be like at the time of the rapture of the church, the pre-tribulation mm -hmm. rapture of the church? Is the world going to be on a trajectory downward and we're going to get out right before it gets to the very bottom? Right. But when we do leave, it's going to be a dystopian nightmare, or is it going to be a little bit different? And from what I read in the scriptures, it, it seems like the rapture is in the context of a time of great prosperity, mm. not necessarily a time of uh, global adversity. Okay. And I think there's two different, two different ways you can look at that. I think the world right now could go in two very different directions because the world is on a knife's edge and it could either fall into the totalitarian great reset that they're talking about, or the there there could be another aspect to this. And and just for the record, I'm I know that there's a group called Q, you know, and they have a lot of things that talk about you know this great uh, resurgence, you know, of, uh, uh -huh. of uh, everything's according to a plan. I, I don't I don't subscribe to the Q mentality. I I go with what the scripture says, but from the scriptures, I see some things that make me think that uh, something is about to change and essentially it might be a deliberate change so for example when when two people are in deadlock and pushing against each other we have the globalists on one side and we have humanity on the other side we've seen these great protests and riots like we've never seen before i'm not talking about antifa riots i'm talking about people standing up against right we saw that in france we saw that in australia even exactly. here in America, July, you know, it arguably, arguably, you could say that January 6th was not just about the election, but was about the entire push against like what you were just saying. Okay, yes. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you have humanity rising up on a global scale, understanding what these globalists are trying to do. I mean, mm -hmm. what their plans are and what they've been trying to accomplish in the last few years has been exposed through a lot of guys exposing it and doing a great job. But as any fighter knows when you have when you're at a gridlock like this and both people are not budging a a move in judo is essentially you suddenly change direction and and catch your enemy off guard and uh, use that momentum against him and then you get him on the ground mm -hmm. and you've got him right where you wanted the whole time but you had to change your approach mm. and i can't help but wonder if some of this uh, great reset that's being presented to us the totalitarian horrific aspects of it that's being presented and broadcast on the news you know and you'd mentioned that video i'd seen that video of the people screaming in uh china mm -hmm. you know we're seeing all that and we're seeing the horror of it and we're saying oh my god we don't want that to happen to us what if all of that is being presented deliberately mm -hmm. so as to manipulate humanity into accepting an alternative great reset mm -hmm. a great awakening so-called that could end up accomplishing the very things that the globalists wanted all along. That's a fascinating thing because even though we are rapturists and and we believe we we won't be here for you know that that's that tribulation time. It does mention in there, I believe, in the book of Daniel, and I'd have to look it up, but it does mention about him coming in with flatteries and peace, and and what we see with the Antichrist, even in Revelation chapter number six. However, you look at that flow he does come in as the rider on the white horse with a bow but no arrow um and and then creates that covenant with israel and so you're saying just like you said if i'm hearing you right the trajectory could be yeah we could be going down we could be in gulags by the end of the year 
or to accomplish the same ends, they may use means that would that would rather than us being kicking and dragging going to the gulag, we might embrace the prison planet, so to exactly. say. Exactly. Can we flesh that out a little bit? What what does that look like to you? as you're talking about that and listen this is a soul trap and just like final fight don't feel do not feel like you got to tiptoe through the the lilies at all i mean you just go ahead and say what you think um, but what what does that look like to you and how does that differ from the standard kind of a thing that we're hearing what does that look like to you yeah so a lot of times the standard um teaching on this subject or the standard idea is that you know, the world's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And uh, maybe we'll be, you know, in, like you said, in gulags. And then at the end of the thing, you know, we're going to be raptured out. And then the world is just going to descend a little bit farther mm-hmm. into the final horrors of the Great Tribulation. Um, that's that's kind of the, how it's generally presented. But I think it's interesting to consider the two prerequisites to the rapture as given in Second Thessalonians chapter 1 or chapter uh Two, mm-hmm. and essentially, the two prerequisites is that there's going to be a great falling away of the church, and then the man of sin is going to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of prophecy can get jumbled up, and it's important to try to rightly divide the word of truth, like the scripture says. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder this falling away of the church. It it has to do with an apostasy of the church, and. It seems like, as we've seen throughout history, that the uh, blood of the martyrs is the seeds of revival. Mm-hmm. And in times of great persecution, it's almost like the church does fares far better under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. As, but to the contrary, in times of great prosperity and in times of material wealth, the church tends to do much worse spiritually. And we've seen a decline in Christianity, certainly in Western Christianity, but Eastern Christianity is still very much persecuted and uh you know those those christians are still really doing a great job trying to stand for truth in those places yes and the fall of the church the apostasy of the church as prophesied in second thessalonians that is not just the american church i don't believe Mm. i don't think that that's just american christianity sometimes we think of american christianity as that's all there is Mm -hmm. we have to remember there's a whole eastern branch if you will not a branch that's probably the wrong terminology but there's more to the church than just America. Yes. And so I can't help but wonder, what if a global prosperity is going to be a ploy, a trick, if you will, of the devil? Mm. We're expecting something, and he's going to come around with something else, and we'll be living in a time where, like Paul said, speaking of the end times, where they'll think that gain is godliness. Wow. There's, yeah. there's a movement in a lot of conservatism and, and even some Christianity of this idea of the coming Christ spirit, this global Christ consciousness that we have to adopt. And a lot of even good, moral, upstanding, conservative people are talking this way, but this coming Christ spirit is detached from the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing of you need to you know, accept Jesus Christ, God's son as your savior in order right. to save you from hell. It's this different thing of this, you know, if we all just kind of, you know, love one another mm-hmm. and, uh, think of one another and put others before ourselves that's the christ consciousness yeah and so it seems to me that uh, there's a great possibility that great prosperity could come and could be the catalyst for the the final apostasy of the church east and west i mean what if eastern christianity became greatly prosperous mm-hmm. in order for something like that to happen 
it would have to require for the uh, ostensibly it'd have to require for the deep state to be broken which is something that donald trump promised he would do right and i think that uh, there's a great possibility that uh, he the lord still has a plan for him in the future i'm not necessarily saying that he's a born-again christian or anything right. like that no, but, I understand. Uh, you know cyrus uh, wasn't a Jew. You know? Let me jump in and ask you this then, because you really got my wheels thinking, and I, I, I love that. So what if it's one of those situations where, like you said, the deep state, what if it's, what if it's the appearance, you know, the art of war, I think it was, uh, is, is uh, deception, you know, in the art of war, the, the key is, is deception. What if the deep state, and they always have, conspiracies and all that, they've always been more than happy to relinquish the image of power the substance of power so what if they they sure you can look like you're breaking us and and you win so long as we get our our goals in place is it possible that a global a global prosperity could look like a a global currency could look like some some global peace i mean it's been surprising to watch the unification of the world around ukraine uh, who is who's just the side of fascist. Uh, you know, it's been amazing to watch that whole thing unify around. Could it look like some of the things we've talked about only from a more peaceable, prosperous way? Those, yes, there may be a global currency, and I'm just throwing out like a Bitcoin or a digital or something like that, but it's, it's a good thing. Yes, there's, there's unification, but it's a good thing. And, and, it, and it is kind of what you were saying, that, that Christ spirit, that conservative resurgence that actually nullifies both East and West, the power of the church. Am I tracking along that line with you? That's uh, exactly what I'm suspecting is going to happen. And in a moment, I'll kind of explain biblically why I think that's going to happen. But Christians, Bible-believing Christians, need to remember that a revival in conservatism, whereas that's wonderful and, you know, righteousness exalteth a nation, you know, doing right, that's great for any country, and I'm all for it. But conservatism is not Christianity, mm -hmm. and a revival in conservatism is not a revival in Christianity. That's not a biblical revival. You know, a bunch of uh, people that don't believe in Jesus changing, turning their lives around is wonderful, mm -hmm. but that's not a revival. That's right. Revival is when people are getting saved and turning to the Lord, and uh, gain is not automatically godliness, and prosperity is not necessarily proof of the blessing of God. However, knowing what we know of Christianity today, how do you think the church as a whole, the body of Christ as a whole, will interpret global prosperity? Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got the prosperity gospel being preached for the last 30 years. Yes. I mean, if the world became globally prosperous. I mean, the world Christians would even probably think that we've entered into the golden age of the millennium. And yeah. they would look back on these years of this potential war, the 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 vaccine i hope it, i don't know if i'm i don't want to say any words i'll get you banned here but uh you know they, <laughs> this one's going on this one's probably going on rumble from the get-go so yeah <laughs> but i mean you have all this stuff they'll look back and they'll say oh during the time of 2020 to 2024 or whatever that was the great tribulation we've already gone through and it'll be this new preterism this new idea that mm. the events of revelation have already been fulfilled and now we've entered into this glorious time when in reality, the great darkness, the great night of the great tribulation is just around the corner. Mm. And so what's interesting is I, I, I'm a Bible believer. I believe the Bible. I, I try to believe the Bible as you know, literally as I can. I, I let it say what it means, believe it means what it says. 
I understand that there are parts in it that are deliberately allegorical. I don't try to make allegorical aspects literal. Okay. So I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the scriptures, but what I've noticed in the Bible is that God does things in patterns. All right. So mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one, verse nine, it talks about how the thing which hath been is that which shall be right. That's Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He wrote the thing which the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be mm -hmm. and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Mm -hmm. So we um, even secular historians recognize that history has a tendency to repeat itself. Now, from our yes. perspective on the timeline, we're looking at it. That which hath been is that which shall be. We're uh -huh. looking at it from the past to the future. But when you understand and you look at it from God's standpoint, that the future is also predetermined in the sense of certain events that are going to happen. There is a pattern of events that we know from the book of Revelation and Daniel are going to happen. And therefore... Uh, the reverse of that verse is also true. That which shall be done, that which is clear end time prophecy, is essentially that which is being done right now, if you will. Mm -hmm. we see, if you see the future cycle, then you know what's going to happen in the cycles preceding it. Okay, So that's why we see these cycles throughout history. And so right now, you know, people have been uh, under the impression that we might be living in the time of the horsemen of the apocalypse, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't believe we are, but I believe that we're living in a uh, pattern of what's happening. I don't believe we're living through the tribulation period right now, but I think what we're seeing is a dress rehearsal, the uh -huh. final dress rehearsal of what's about to happen. And sometimes the dress rehearsal, you almost can't tell the difference between the dress rehearsal and the actual production. Mm -hmm. Now, just quickly to consider the end time production. If you think about it, if you want to put it in those terms, the act one, there's three acts to the end time production. Act one is the beginning of sorrows. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe that that's a, the rapture is going to happen of the church is going to be the beginning of sorrows as Jesus described in Matthew 24. Mm -hmm. And uh, 144,000 Jewish witnesses are going to be preaching. There's going to be wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilences, all that stuff happening after the rapture of the church. And then there will be a number of years until the start of the Great Tribulation. That's Act 2, okay? So Act 2 is the Great Tribulation. At the end of the Great Tribulation is Act 3, and that's essentially the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ in the millennium. And so you have three acts, beginning of sorrows, Great Tribulation, glorious kingdom of the millennium. If That's the actual end-time production. So that which, is, that which hath been is that which shall be, and that which shall be is also going to be that which hath been. So if we're living through a dress rehearsal right now, it's interesting to think that we could be seeing a similar pattern of those four horsemen right now. I did mm -hmm. a lesson recently. I called it, I put it on my YouTube channel, Matt Crane Bible Teaching, mm -hmm. uh, the four Shetland ponies of the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and essentially it's the idea that what we're seeing is similar to what's going to happen, but it's not the real thing. And so it's interesting uh, you know, that white horseman, you know, it's generally re regarded as uh, the man of sin, the real mm -hmm. white horseman. You know, it's going to be false religion, people running around saying, I am Christ. OK. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do we have in uh, 2013? The, the white Shetland pony, if you will. We had the first election of the first Jesuit pope in history. 2013, this resurgence in uh, false religion and and uh, this. Uh, deep church, the deep church taking over and type of mm -hmm. things like that. So I can't help but wonder, okay, I'm looking for patterns, all right? So I see that. And then after 
that you have the red horse in the book of Revelation and what happens he takes peace from the earth and there's a there's a great war mm -hmm. now in the years uh, 2016 to 2020 ish um, even though we didn't see great wars necessarily we did see peace taken from the earth and yeah. like I said I'm just kind of I'm just drawing some parallels but we saw peace taken from the earth and uh, you know Donald Trump was the president and I don't blame him for peace being taken from the earth but let's just mm -hmm. face it when he got elected there was a divide in 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 yeah, the whole world fell apart. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of uh, restlessness. There was a lot of uh, riots and peace, and and people were fighting, and families were breaking up, and all kinds of things over political issues. A lot of peace was taken, not just from America, but from the earth. I mean, mm -hmm. the whole EU tried to rise up against him. You had the whole Brexit thing going on at mm -hmm. that time. There was a lot of uh, instability. So I'd call that maybe a red Shetland pony, and then uh, the black uh, Shetland pony. You know that that time frame. We started to see the uh, emergence of the coronavirus. Right, and what did that do with the lockdowns and everything? That destroyed not only American economy, but global economy. And that created a lot of uh, starvation in the world because of the shutdowns and the lockdowns. And then what do we have but the uh, pale Shetland pony? Mm -hmm. And what is the pale Shetland pony? Well, it's going to be a similar type of the pale horseman. What is the pale horseman? I believe the pale horseman is the son of perdition. Mm -hmm. It's the the beast himself rising at the start of the great tribulation and what comes with his advent, but a mark that you can't buy or sell without. Mm -hmm. But what have we seen in 2021, except a injection that you virtually cannot buy or sell or go to your job or yeah. unless you have it. It's a, it's not the real thing, but it's a beta test of what's coming. You see what right. I mean? All right. See, so oh, go ahead. So, Okay, no, 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 you go ahead, you go ahead. I, I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, go ahead. Yeah, so, so where I'm going with this is essentially, if we're living through the dress rehearsal of the actual production, we've seen act one with the mm. first three Shetland ponies, if you will, from 2013 to 2020. Uh, 2021, with the advent of this uh, injection, is essentially the start of act two, okay? If we're, if we're going with the pattern, if the pattern fits, then we're right around the start of Act Two, and we can presumably consider or or speculate as to what is coming mm -hmm. up until the rapture. What's coming is the rest of Act Two, and then Act Three. What's the rest of Act Two? Well, the rest of the Great Tribulation is just total carnage, uh, a lot of bad things, you know, just death and destruction. And unfortunately, if the pattern holds. I would expect at least for the next two years, we're going to just see a lot. Things are just going to get really bad. Things mm -hmm. are going to get a lot worse. There's probably going to be a widespread death, uh, more diseases, more pandemics, more wars, more mm -hmm. carnage. Mm -hmm. But what follows that would be a dress rehearsal of the millennium of Jesus Christ. Essentially, there'd be a, a change that would take place, that would occur, that would alter everything everything would suddenly change and then you would have this time period of great prosperity mm. and that's the great prosperity that i speculate could be coming i mean let's just face it there is a valid possibility that donald trump could be elected in 2024 uh -huh. and you know regardless of what anybody thinks of him you know whether he thinks he's a christian or not that's beside the point um he stood for a lot of good things he was against a lot of uh, wickedness and he hates the deep state 
And hey, if I don't care who gets in there, if somebody gets in and breaks the deep state and puts down all this wickedness, mm-hmm. I'm all for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? <laughs> Just in a silly kind of way, I mean, if gas prices keep going up and you got them, knock them back down to two bucks a gallon, it's going to feel like the millennium. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, everybody's going to have some money in their pocket. Okay, so we've talked about here many times that what we're looking at, you call it dress rehearsal. I've often said that the Antichrist has to come in just like Jesus did in the world was the perfect setting that God had ordained for Christ to come in. And so the first time that somebody had been crucified wasn't when Jesus was crucified. That was the world in which he was born at that time. And so I've been saying for some time now that this world has to be set up for the Antichrist, for the end time, for these things. It can't just happen on the fly. So you have to have that world system in place. Now, what you're saying here is is that there could be sort of a a pseudo-millennium which creates a massive falling away from mainstream Christianity, which would mean that the only people that are holding onto the truth would be Bible believers, and we would look like radical, almost radical, hate-mongering terrorists to them because of how well things are going which would really tie in a lot with what Jesus was saying in John 16, the time will come when people will kill you thinking they're doing God's service. Uh, and a similar kind of a statement in Isaiah 66. So let me, let me pivot here for just a moment. You mentioned a couple things that I want to I come back to. You mentioned, um, you mentioned the 144,000. Now this might bleed over, this question might bleed over into the, the how long the tribulation period is and, and versus the different models and things like that. But how do you think, in other words, if we're raptured out and we're in this dispensation of, uh, of I'll call it grace just for the sake of, of our the dispensation of the church, and then you have the 144,000, how do you see those 144,000 being prepared with this gospel of the kingdom how are they prepared and sent out? Who is it that's preparing them? Where are they? From where are they coming? That's a fascinating little thing there because that then ties into, we've immediately assumed that when the rapture happens, boom, that triggers your tribulation. But that's not exactly the way the Bible unfolds it. What's your, what is your thoughts on that whole big, huge wad of stuff that I just threw at you? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, well, to so... There's a couple different theories, and I'll just really mention it briefly. There's the idea that it's going to be the rapture, and then immediately what follows is essentially three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. You've got that. You know, the church is going to see the man of sin stand in the temple, and then we'll be raptured, and then it's three and a half years of Great Tribulation. That's one predominant theory. Another major theory is there's going to be a rapture, and then three and a half years of peace, and then three and a half years of uh, destruction, you know, with a uh, global peace agreement put together by the man of sin. You know, that's a very popular theory. Uh, I don't subscribe to either one of those. I think there are elements of truth to both. My, I personally uh, believe in a 10-year, specifically a 10-and-a-half-year end times. Essentially, the rapture is going to happen. There's going to be seven years of beginning of sorrows, and then the final three-and-a-half years of the Great Tribulation fulfills the last portion of Daniel's 70th week, and I believe the first half of that Daniel's 70th week was fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole big study. I yeah, published yeah. a work on that uh, called uh, The Time of the End. Uh, the 10-year tribulation period, and uh, that's available through the Final Fight Bible Radio store mm-hmm. if anybody wants to get that. But um, I feel like that theory uh, answers a lot of questions that are still kind of left hanging with the other theories. So with that being said, 
the 144,000, you know, who's going to train them, who's going to disciple them and all that. I think that's a good question. That's worth thinking about. My opinion is that there's a, those 144,000 are, they're Jews, they're males, they're virgins, and they have the gifts of an apostle. And it's almost like there are 144,000 Paul the Apostles running around. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul the Apostle, when he was saved, what happened? He was on a horse heading to Damascus, and he saw a great light in the heaven and knocked off his horse, and he understood who Jesus was, you know, and believed on Jesus. And then he went into the wilderness, and he was taught the revelation of God uh, given to him uh-huh. by revelation. He didn't go to a Bible institute and learn it. Right. I think there might be a similar thing with the 144,000. I think we have a type of that in uh, the book of Acts, because what happens right in the book of Acts, right prior to Paul's, the chapter on Paul's conversion, you have Philip witnessing to an Ethiopian eunuch, right? Mm -hmm. The Ethiopian is a consistent type of the body of Christ, the church in the Bible, you know, Christ's bride being a, you know, Ethiopian, you know, you got all that stuff throughout the pictures in the Bible. That Ethiopian eunuch could be a type of the church. He ends up getting saved. And what happens? But Philip is taking, taken up into the air. I mean, it's one of the, it's this really strange right. place in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why put that there? He uh-huh. was simply taken up, and then he was somewhere else. And then right after that, you have maybe even, if you were to be living in that time, maybe even simultaneously, you have Saul of Tarsus, you know, somewhere else, and he sees a great light in heaven. Right. So it makes me wonder if when, when the church goes up and the Lord returns in the air and we meet the Lord in the air, what if that's simultaneous with uh, him essentially appearing to 144,000 select Jews, you know, that mm-hmm. he's selected it. Maybe they see him in the air as a great light like Saul did, mm-hmm. and they're given a, they, they believe and they're given an instant revelation of what's to come. Because frankly, regardless of how long you make the tr- Great Tribulation, there's not enough time for 144,000 men to learn the truths of Scripture when they've never looked into New Testament doctrine before. Right, right. Or any of that. You know, how are they going to learn all of that and then be preachers for God? I mean, it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense unless there's some kind of special revelation given to yeah, them. Yeah, something that happens. So I'm not asking you to, uh, certainly I don't want to, okay, you have to un- unpack the whole book. But one of the things I've often thought about is that when when the rapture takes place, the breaking of the seal, there, there, I've always believed, from my understanding, that there, there is a time component between the rapture and the, and the tribulation period, that, or, or, or we'll call it Daniel's 70th week. Mm-hmm. In other words, the rapture is a distinct Pauline revelation. You may find it in some typology here or there, but it is a distinct revelation of the body of Christ given to Paul clearly. Mentioned by Jesus, I think, here and there, but I, I don't want to dive, I don't want to get into the weeds too much. I'm just saying I'm not associating the rapture in in a direct cause and effect event with the tribulation. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a distinct event that takes place. Now, once the body of Christ has been raptured, then there is that period of however you want to call it, Daniel's 70th week. And so you have that, that what I would understand and what a lot of people talk about is that seven years. Uh, and then you see Jesus speaking about that a little bit in, well, a lot in, in Matthew 24. There is that build up, build up, build up. And then when you see uh, the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not, then there seems to be, that's when it's, it's great tribulation. 
So in a nutshell, whet the appetite of, of, of our listeners and how do we come up with, and again, I'm not asking you to unpack the entire book, but give me the back cover. How do you come up with the 10 year versus the seven and, and how that fits with Daniel's 70th week? Okay. So uh, there's a number of passages when you, when you at least open up your mind or thinking to the possibility of the tribulation being likened to a 10 year time period. You know, you start seeing little things showing up throughout the Bible. You know, in Revelation chapter 2, it says, you shall have tribulation 10 days. You know, one day is likened to a year in the scripture. You've got, I've, I've included a number of those types in, in my book on, you know, maybe anecdotal things that seem to point to a 10-year end time period. But I think the key is, is the interpretation of Daniel chapter 9 and that whole thing. And I, like I said, that's a lot to unpack. I'm not going to do it here. But essentially, the question is, who is the he of Daniel chapter 9, 27, that he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's perceived as uh, the the prince uh, that shall come, the Antichrist. He's going to make this peace agreement, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The other, uh, you know, in, in the English language, the other possibility, the other antecedent to the he in that verse, in verse 26, is the, the prince, the Messiah, the Messiah, the prince. Mm-hmm. So I go down the path in my book of what if Daniel 9 27 the he shall confirm the covenant with many what if that's Messiah the Prince will confirm the covenant the coming of Jesus to Israel was a confirmation essentially of the Abrahamic covenant saying hey it's time to get your land back and essentially what you have there he confirms the covenant with one week that's that baptism of Jesus marks the start of Daniel's 70th week and essentially for the overspreading of abominations plural, which is interesting, that word is plural there, Mm -hmm. the overspreading of the abominations committed by the Pharisees that Jesus railed on him in Matthew 23, essentially, and blasted him for, that was their abominations. And what did Jesus say at the end of that? He said, your house is left unto you desolate. And so what does that mean? That's the departure of the Spirit of God from the temple. And Mm -hmm. what does Daniel 9.27 say? But for the overspreading, I interpret this as the overspreading of the Pharisees' abominations, he, Jesus, shall make it, the temple, desolate, of God's spirit, even until the consummation, the end of the millennium or the end of the great tribulation. That's when God's spirit comes back into the temple as predicted in Ezekiel uh, 47. So as far as what Jesus said there, I think one other element, like you, like you said, there's a gap between the rapture and the start of the great tribulation. I would agree with that. The general interpretation is that it's a three and a half year gap. I don't think it has to be three and a half years because if Jesus's ministry of three and a half years fulfilled that first portion, then that gap between the rapture and the start of the Great Tribulation could be Mm -hmm. any length of time. I mean, Mm -hmm. it could be whatever. It's a transitional period, if you will. Okay, so let me ask you this. Let me then, let me, I hope you're enjoying this because I know that we we are in ourselves. So let me ask you this then. If you were to say, and I'm I'm absolutely postulating a theory here, but what if, what if someone were to say the rapture takes place and there is an undesignated portion of time there is no specific time, but you could say 10 years, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm not getting on that. There's an unspecified amount of time. But we believe that Daniel's 70th week is a seven-year, it's a week. It's a seven-year block. And so you would have three and a half years, more of the traditional Larkin kind of a three and a half years of tribulation, then the abomination of desolations, and then which triggers the next three and a half years of great tribulation and what signifies the the tribulation unfolding is the breaking of the seal 
the, the coming, the first of that, that rider on the white horse. In other words, that's what the breaking of the seal, right before that, there was silence in heaven. Then you have the breaking of the seal, and that begins to unfold the trumpets, the vials, the, the, in other words, the, the unfolding of that. But what you're doing is, is you're combining Daniel 70th week. You're saying that that was three and a half years first with Christ, then the second three and a half years would be in the what we would call the tribulation period. Is that am I am I picking that up kind of or yeah yeah essentially so the way I would look at it is Daniel's he's got seventy weeks and essentially sixty nine and a half weeks have already been fulfilled right. all that's left is half of a week and according to Matthew chapter uh, twenty four fifteen that time the God paused the clock when Christ died on the cross uh-huh. and God unpauses the clock when the when the man of sin stands in the holy place. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be at the same day as the rapture of the church. Right, right. The rapture of the church could happen, and then the man, then a, a number of years could transpire before the man of sin stands in the holy place. And then there's just three and a half years, and we know what those three and a half years look like from the book of Revelation. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So that that sixty nine and a half is based upon how we're going to look at that verse in Daniel nine with yes. the with the prince. I see. Okay. Fascinating. So you just sold me on the book. <laughs> as soon as we're done with the interview, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the book. So you've just sold me on it. You know what I love about this is is the that's it. what you and I are doing right now is exactly what we talked about what fa- uh, what Final Fight does. It has these pillars of truth. We're not going outside. We're not talking about the Greek. We're not talking about this or that. We're within the confines of 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 the inspired word of God. And yet we're looking at ideas. I mean, anybody who thinks that it's just dry and there is all, we know all that there is to know has never done any real study. And, and, and that's just a case in point. Exactly. Right. Right there. Um, I, I think it's very interesting what you're, what you're seeing in the patterns and the way that it's developing. It seems to be that way. Let me change gears just a little bit and ask you from a very practical standpoint. If we're moving in that way, what do you see happening with Donald Trump and his social media, with Rumble, with YouTube? What's the future for the Bible-believing church in the United States of America as far as being able to get the gospel out? Just just what are some of the things you see on the horizon? Yeah, so um, I would say this. Like I said, I think that there's going to be a pseudo-millennium coming. I think that's a very great possibility. I think we see little hints of that. I mean, I just read this morning that Elon Musk is you know, mm. propositioning to purchase Twitter. I mean, there are these, there are people in the world and even people in power that don't like the direction where things are going. Mm. And if there was a scenario where somehow, let's say Donald Trump or like whether it's a General Flynn or whoever, you know, some conservative gets in the White House and then Puts, bring some justice, put some of these criminals to justice, and some of these people go to jail that we've been wanting to go to jail forever, and the American people get what they voted for, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and this resurgence of uh, conservatism comes in and morality and upholding of law and order, we could see a, it, it wouldn't be just America being made great again, but it could theoretically be the entire world being mm-hmm. made great again with the with America at the helm. Yeah, And so... In that scenario, I think, like you said, there's going to have to be for for Bible believers to understand what's happening. Most of the church is going to perceive that gain as godliness. Most of the church is going to perceive that uh, you know God's spirit has come over the world. These prophets, you know that you know these online prophets that uh, get out there and they 
charismatics, you know, they're going to totally think that all their prophecies have come true and even be validated in a lot of ways with what they say, even though a lot of what they say is not biblical at all. And the Bible believer, essentially, we're going to be out there like Jeremiah and, and we're going to be, you know, against the priests. We're going to be mm -hmm. basically against everything. We're going to be saying, hey, listen, you know, be careful. This prosperity doesn't necessarily mean that this is God working or this is from the Lord. I mean, uh, don't go to sleep. Don't uh, don't get complacent. And the Bible believer is going to be look like a, a negativist. You know, he's going to look like a hater. Yeah, you know, I just read the other day in the book of Jeremiah that there was this reprieve, very subtly and slightly, because uh, it was Egypt who came up and challenged uh, Babylon when they were laying siege to Jerusalem. And God actually sent a message to uh, through Jeremiah going, hey, don't think that this is, this is not it. It's, it's going to get worse. But the children of Israel, no doubt, if you had been in Jerusalem, you would have thought, hey, it's revival. This is unbelievable. Uh, Egypt has come and saved the day. And what's fascinating is about, to your, to your theory, Egypt is a type of the world, but it's, it's a type of the world. And that's really, whether we realize it or not, what we're looking to. That's the problem that I have seen with modern con Christian conservative is that they are looking to the world, you know, looking to conservatism to save us rather than biblical revival in Christianity. Yeah. And um, fascinating that that could be on the horizon like that. And we would look like naysayers. We would look like just, you know, negative Nellies. Yeah, we'd be telling people, hey, you know, Jesus Christ is coming soon. Lay up treasure in heaven. Do something with this great prosperity. So, so with the Bible believer living in a time of great prosperity that might uh, anticipate this potential time of prosperity in the world, we might be able to say, okay, listen, we know, you know, that the time is short. Let's take this abundance of wealth that we have and just pour it into foreign missions. Let's pour mm -hmm. it into getting the gospel out and, uh, and, and use what we have to the glory of God, as opposed to trying to amass all this treasure for ourselves, you know, and, yeah. and live comfortably and peaceably. You know, um, what we want to make sure as Bible believers is that our eyes and our focus is on the return of Christ, on, on the coming of Jesus Christ, not on the things of this world. And as any American Christian knows, it's so easy and when you have prosperity, when you have abundance, and when your bills are paid, and when you got food mm -hmm. in your pantry, and you know, you got money in the bank, riches have a tendency to cause you to turn away from trusting the Lord. Like like the King uh, Uzziah, I think, in the Old Testament. The Bible says he was marvelously helped until he was strong. Yes. And that yes. was his downfall. And I think that could be the downfall of the church. And so if we at least go into this possibility with that understanding, mm -hmm. we might be able to avoid on an individual basis that mm -hmm. uh, falling away that the Bible talks about. Yeah. Well, we have been, <laughs> I've just looked up at the clock and we're, we're almost right at an hour here. And I'm like, what in the world? It, it goes by so fast every time we talk. What, what is on your heart for the next, you know, as we're sitting here, this recording is going to come out, you know, fairly soon. Uh, as we get into late spring, summer, what, what is on tap for Final Fight? What, what is it that's really, man, this is what we're trying to get to and get at. This is what wakes us up in the morning. Yeah. Um, essentially, what I'm trying to do is uh, uh, the last three years have been a time of uh, extreme instability for the ministry for a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm finally getting to the point where I can start moving again. I felt like I've been in quicksand for the last three years, really struggling to make any headway. But as of this, this last 12 months, things are starting to pick up in, in momentum. And essentially, 
I'm trying to get back to a thing where I'm incorporating the listening audience, trying to get them to be a part of this ministry, mm -hmm. obviously listening to it, hopefully supporting it, but also uh, contributing content to it. Um, mm -hmm. One unique thing about Final Fight Bible Radio is that the content on there, it is a huge variety and the like the singing, a lot of people don't like the music on Final Fight Bible Radio. And part mm -hmm. of it is because some of the music is not high quality music, okay? <laughs> right. But I do that on purpose because Jesus Christ, his criteria for praise doesn't have to be, you know, a professional production. Right. He loves the praises of, of, of his people coming from the heart. Now, that doesn't mean that we have no standards whatsoever for our quality, but, you know, right. there are songs on there that, are, that you can tell, you know, the person doesn't have the greatest voice, but they're singing from the heart, praising mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And that's what we're interested in. And then also throughout the day, I have uh, scripture verses that are read and a lot of, and essentially the listening audience through our website, they can record a verse of scripture mm -hmm. and we'll put it on the station. They'll hear their voice reading yeah. scriptures on the radio. And so Final Five Bible Radio is a, is a great team effort. It's, a, it's an effort where we help missionaries around mm -hmm. the world. It's an effort mm -hmm. where we have pastors from all around the world contributing their content to the radio. I want to bring in some more pastors. I want to bring in more variety. I want to bring in uh, some more music and I want the listeners to be engaged and yeah. uh, be a part of the ministry. Well, that's exciting to us, and I think one of the things that's, that we always try to strike a balance, and I think sometimes it's missed, but, you know, all of the effort that we put into looking at the end times and researching and seeing and studying and even exploring things that are not necessarily end times, but there's a connectivity with occultism or, you know, mystery or this or that, all of that is so very secondary to the one thing, and that, and that is Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen, and coming again, and, and the individual's personal relationship with that. And, and that is the seminal issue of, of all that goes on. And uh, I, I love the concept of being able to get out, um, evangelizing. I love the concept of the missions program. And then I love the concept of just like we did today, you know, sometimes guys get so caught up in holding a position that they, they just are so frustrating and they're angry and fighting. But I love just the feel of it's, it's a simple thing, but I believe there's great power in simplicity. The time has gone by fast. We are not going to wait a long time to get you back on here again and interview again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get this book, read the book, and then I'm going to get you back on here. We're going to talk nothing. We're just going to make it the Matt Crane Skull Trap <laughs> Prophecy Hour. Oh, <laughs> and uh, we're going we're to bypass all the other stuff and just get right down into it because there's, there's still some other questions that I would love to ask and, and pick your brain about and what's coming. So, um, but, you know, I think that'll be an exciting time. But until then, we, we're just very honored to have you. And I want to take just a moment and tell our listeners, you need to go to Final Fight Bible Radio. You should be a supporter. If you're not, get involved, help out. Uh, there's just it's just tremendous and listen you'd be surprised how many people that you will be able to get to listen to that who might not just turn on you know the dove 99.1 or something like that but they're looking for something with some meat and substance make sure that you go to final fight bible radio check them out support them pray for them uh, brother crane it's been an honor as always to have you and we look forward to the next time having you on thank you pastor tillis it's been my honor i appreciate it thank you, you for got it Guys, make sure to check out The Soul Trap. Go to YouTube, go to Rumble, go to Facebook. I don't know where you need to go. Just go like, share. And uh, as we say so very often, make sure you keep your eyes on the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. We're signing out. Thanks for listening. And the armies which were in heaven followed Jesus.
Of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with him he should smite the nations. 